Table-topping Arsenal take on Wolves this weekend, which means it's time for another episode of the Big Match Preview here on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Let's go. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Hope you're good. Hope you are well. It is absolutely freezing cold here in London. So for those of you watching it on YouTube, let's get the elephant uh, or let's deal with the elephant in the room. No, I was going to say, let's get the elephant out of the room, but that's not how the bloody saying goes. Uh, let's deal with the elephant in the room. Yes, I am wearing a woolly hat. Yes, it looks ridiculous. I know that. I understand that, but I am freezing. Because Muggins over here forgot uh, to come down to the man cave half an hour, 40 minutes before we were going to go live to stick the heating on so that by the time I came into the room ready to podcast, it would be nice and warm and cozy. Yeah, I forgot. So uh, I've just turned it on now, but it's going to take a little while to heat up. And I am literally shivering. It is that cold down here. Uh, so I've decided uh, to wear uh, some headgear, shall we say. Um, hope everybody's good. Hope everybody's having a great Friday so far. And of course, is looking forward to the weekend. Arsenal back in action. We take on Wolverhampton Wanderers. And there's always a feeling of excitement after you've just come off the back of a 6-0 victory, right? You can't wait to see what the team are going to do next. You can't wait to see who's going to shine, who's going to star um, in the next fixture. It's it's always brilliant, isn't it? And um, to see what we saw from Arsenal the other night in the Champions League, I thought was was pretty special. You know, people will look at Lons and say they're not a very good side and they'll look at their position in Ligue 1 and then they'll add on to that the fact that Ligue 1, in a lot of people's opinions, isn't a particularly you know, strong league in comparison to some of the others. And they'll say, well, you know, Arsenal beating them by six goals to nil shouldn't be a surprise. And it's not really anything worthwhile singing and dancing about. But I would say that any team in the Champions League is there on merit. I would say that any team in the Champions League is there because they're a good side or they are at least of a certain level. And so while I agree that, yeah, you know, I'm not going to go overboard and say that, oh my God, this was one of Arsenal's best performances of all time or that, you know, it changes my outlook on the rest of the season. It is something to be proud of. And it was an evening that we should certainly have enjoyed. Um, I'm still enjoying watching the highlights back now, two days later, genuinely. Um, you know, you win 6-0 in the Champions League. You've got to enjoy it. You've got to appreciate it. And um, yeah, you know, I'll leave it at that because I have seen some people go, oh, well, it was Lons. So what does it matter? They're not a very good side. You can't read anything into that. Blah, 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 blah. We were waiting for our attack to click. It was the first time that we were able to play with that front five comprised of Jesus up front, Saka Martinelli either side, and both Odegaard and Havertz in the same side. I still think there is a lot more to come from a, a lot of those players I've mentioned. I still think that Martin Odegaard is nowhere near his best. I still think that Bukayo Saka's got more um, to offer. I still think that Martinelli's, you know, slowly getting better again, but he isn't quite at 100%, you know, based on what we saw of him last season. You know, we know that Kai Havertz is still trying to find his feet at Arsenal. So I'm really, really encouraged. I am. Um, yeah, okay. Lons came out and played us and they left spaces and all the rest of it. And uh, and that made our lives a little bit easier in that sense. But hey, you know, you, you still got to convert your chances. And we were very, very clinical. And um, and we showed great quality in the final third when it mattered 
the other night. Hence uh, why uh, we ended up running out 6-0 winners. Let me say a few hellos to some of you in the chat. Uh, we've got Christoph joining us uh, from New York. Hope you're well, mate. Um, we've got Matt, who's in Chicago. Uh, Junior joins us from Canada. Uh, we've got Bungle joining us from Tokyo. Uh, so we're worldwide this morning. We've got Sammy, uh, who's with us as well. Uh, it says one day till game day. Can't wait. Um, Afsar says it's cold, but Harry will warm us up for sure. <laughs> I'm hoping I can. Um, I'm hoping I can. Well, do I want to be warming you up? I don't know if I want to be warming you up, but I get I get the sentiment. Um, Christoph says it's six degrees colder um, here in New York than it is in London. You'll be fine. It's actually quite mild here. Kidding aside, hope everyone is well. Look, I appreciate that us Brits, we are lightweights when it comes to cold weather. And also there are a lot of Brits, not me because I love the heat, but there are a lot that can complain when it's warm as well. So I realized that when it comes to the weather thing, you can't really win with British people. That's just how it goes. Um, but if it's six degrees colder there, my God, wrap up, my friend, because I, um, yeah, I don't think I could deal with that. <laughs> uh, Fuad says uh, the man froze. It's that cold. Yeah, it feels like I am going to freeze. Uh, we've also got Trev with us. Uh, we've got a good Chuck. Wesbird is here too. Halo uh, is there. Um, yeah, I'm a donut for not putting the heating on. I know. Uh, I know. Uh, we've got Louis joining us. We've got Sooty as well. I uh, haven't seen you in a while in the chat, mate. Hope you're good. Um, Delisu is in uh, South Africa as well. So we really are uh, global this morning. Um, and we've also got Majestic TV who's joining us from Ghana. Brilliant. Okay. Anyway, let's get into uh, the preview show because Arsenal face Wolverhampton Wanderers at Emirates Stadium tomorrow, Saturday afternoon, UK time, 3 p.m. kickoff. Can the Gunners maintain their position at the top of the table? Of course, Man City uh, and Liverpool both in action on the Sunday, I believe. Definitely Man City. Uh, of course, they take on Tottenham. Listen, I expect them to wipe the floor with Tottenham at the Etihad. I really, really do. Tottenham have got a lot of injuries. I know we keep hearing about that, but if Ange Postacoglu is going to insist on playing Ange ball at the Etihad, I fear for them. I really, really do. So I'm expecting City to take all three points, which means that although we play first, there is a pressure on Arsenal to go out there, get the three points. If you want to win the league, you've got to win games like this. Um, I think that Wolves have had a good season so far, and we'll talk about them in a bit. But this is the type of game that you need to take all three points from. And you need to take all three points from Luton on Tuesday as well, because, of course, we travel to Aston Villa after that. That's not going to be an easy game. And we've got a trip to Anfield to come between now and Christmas as well. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, these these two fixtures coming up now in the Premier League are must win. I'd go as far uh, as saying that, you know, I'm normally quite chilled on that type of thing. And I say, well, you know, sometimes you can pick up points that you didn't expect in other places and it can even out. But I really do see those two games coming up as a must win. Let's dive in then to our statistical preview of Arsenal versus Wolves in the Premier League. So let's have a look at some of the statistics taken, of course, from PremierLeague.com. Let's start off with the recent meetings. Um, Arsenal got a pretty good recent record against Wolverhampton Wanderers. We've won four of the last five meetings. Uh, we were able to beat them uh, at the end of uh, last season at Emirates Stadium by five goals to nil. Uh, we also beat them at Molyneux uh, back on November the 12th, 2022, a 2-0 victory for us there. Uh, of course, uh, Arsenal, 
then uh, beat them back on 24th of February 2022, so earlier that year, and we beat them, of course, on the 10th of February 2022. Now, those two fixtures were so close together because of the fact that they were rearranged, but we we got two victories there. Um, and then on Thursday, the 10th of February, um, oh, I've mentioned that one. What am I talking about? Thursday, 10th of February, we won 1-0. Um, you have to go back to the 2nd of February 2021 to the last time we were beaten by Wolves in the Premier League. And you'll remember that game because it was a really controversial game. There was a penalty given against us that never was. Um, and of course, there was a sending off um, for Gabriel Martinelli. Hold on, am I thinking, are those, were those the same games? The David Luiz penalty that we gave away, was that the same game as Martinelli getting sent off? I'm trying to think. It might not have been. Was it? Was it not? I, I can't even remember. I can't even remember. I should have checked this out before we started. Obviously, it's very, very unprofessional of me. But put it this way, we've had some controversial um, decisions go against us, against Wolves in, in the not too distant past. Now we're going to come on to controversial decisions because Wolverhampton Wanderers are no strangers uh, to those either. They've had a, a torrid time with that stuff and we'll get into that in a bit. Um, on the head-to-head, -head, 18 meetings in the Premier League between these two sides. Arsenal have won 12 of them. Wolves have beaten us on just three occasions and there have been three draws as well. When you look at the form guide, Arsenal have won three of their last five. That controversial defeat at Newcastle is in there as well. And there was a draw at Chelsea too. Wolves have won two of their last uh, five with uh, two defeats and, of course, uh, one draw as well. Listen, I think Wolves are having a cracking season. I, I really, really do. I think Gary O'Neill's done a really good job. I think people will have looked at Gary O'Neill's time at Bournemouth and thought, you know, pretty impressive, but it was a club that he knew inside out. It was a club that he understood. It was a club where he already kind of had his roots um, laid down and, and people thought that, you know, yeah, taking on the job and becoming a caretaker and, you know, sort of bringing a bit of an upturn that sees a club steer clear of danger. Yeah, that's one thing. But to go somewhere completely fresh where, dare I say, there are higher expectations, um, you know, where there is, you know, money that has been spent over the years on, on really talented players that maybe weren't all necessarily performing at that moment in time. You know, Wolves is a much more pressurised environment, I believe. And he's gone there and he's done excellently. You know, they're currently in 12th, which isn't amazing. It's not like a position to be jumping up and down about. But when you think about how many people had them down to go down this season, that's pretty impressive. Add to that, that by Gary O'Neill's estimations, they should have another seven points. They've been on the wrong end of some really, really bad officiating over the course of the season. We can all um, sympathise with that. You know, we were there at Newcastle not that long ago, so I've got loads of sympathy. But if they were to have had those seven points on the board that Gary O'Neill uh, claims uh, they lost as a result of those bad calls, they would be sitting in ninth place. They'd be sitting just behind Brighton on goal difference, but with the same points on the board, which for a side, you know, that were expected by a lot of people to be in a relegation scrap, to potentially have been in a position where they were challenging with Brighton and not too far from Newcastle, they would have been just a point behind Newcastle, two points behind Manchester United. Shows you what a solid job Gary O'Neill's done. And when you look at the top player statistics, you look at top goal scorers across these two teams. Huang Hee Chan is ahead of all of our players in terms of goals in the Premier League. He's got seven. Our highest goal scorer in the Premier League so far this season is Eddie Nketiah on five. And Bukayo Saka's just behind him on four. Now, 
you know, Eddie and Ketia's stats are, are boosted there by that hat trick that, of course, he scored. But yeah, um, you know, you take it on then to assists and you look at who's leading the way there. Pedro Neto on seven. Bukayo Saka second in line with five. And then it's Matthias Cunha, again, one of their players. Passes, we lead the way with Saliba and Declan Rice. Um, but Max Kilman is, is not a million miles behind Declan Rice. And when it comes to tackles, in terms of who's the more combative, Ryan Aitnuri is in front on that. Um, Nelson Semedo is second in that. And Mario Lamina is in third. So not an Arsenal player in the top three in terms of tackles made so far in the Premier League this season. What I will say is, is that that statistic can be a little bit of a red herring because Arsenal have a lot more of the ball than Wolves do. So would they need uh, to make as many tackles uh, as, of course, Arsenal, uh, sorry, as, of course, Wolves or Hampton Wanderers? And so that can be a little bit skewed, of course. Um, let's see uh, what you guys are saying on this as well. Uh, the Immature Review says, uh, at the... Uh, lol at the VAR derby. That's what I've titled this, the VAR derby, because both sides have been on the receiving end of some really, really, um, you know, bad calls this season. You know, more so Wolves. I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, we've been as hard done by as they have. They've had it way worse. And, and again, we'll come into that a little bit later on. And, you know, we'll talk about the impact that that kind of feeling of, of injustice can have on a team when they're going out trying to prove uh, everybody wrong. Um, Louis says, didn't Leno or whoever was in goal get sent off too for handball outside the box? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. We've had some shocking times. Um, or it was a shocking time at Molyneux, wasn't it? Uh, but yeah, anyway, we'll move on uh, to the next phase of our preview. And we're going to start, or, or we're going to move on to, I should say, by talking about, I think the starting line up but before that we'll do i'm all over the place we're not going to do the starting lineup now we're going to do um what we can expect from wolverhampton wanderers and then we'll talk about our starting lineup um yeah i, I left my running order inside and so i'm winging it a bit apologies anyway what can we expect from gary o'neill's side well um first thing to note and this is the side that played against fulham earlier on in the week um, they, of course, were on the receiving end of not one, not two, not three, but arguably four bad decisions um, over at Craven Cottage. So there is that feeling of injustice and that, as I say, can spur a team on. But it's important to note that both Mario Lamina and Joao Gomez, two of their really key midfield players who are in this lineup, of course, because this is the team that played Fulham, are both suspended. They've both picked up their fifth yellow cards of the season. Now, I don't know how Gary O'Neill is going to replace them. I don't know what he's going to do, whether he'll um, shake things up a little bit in terms of the system. I'd imagine the system's going to stay um, pretty similar, but I think it will just be a case of him having to bring in a couple of different players. But that significantly weakens Wolverhampton Wanderers. So we have to note that. I think they're going to provide plenty of width um, in the form of Ryan Aitnuri and Nelson Semedo. They will want to get them forward as much as they possibly can uh, in those wide areas. Both players are very, very capable going forward. And and I would argue, you know, maybe you could argue, particularly in Nelson Semedo's case, he's not the greatest defender in the world. But when you've got a back three inside of you, that allows you that little bit more um, freedom and license to get through. When you've got a flat midfield, 
inside of you that can really help as well. So there's plenty of protection which will allow Ait Nuri and Nelson Semedo to make up a key part of Wolves' attack. And if you watch Wolves this season, if you've looked at any of the highlights, if you've been looking back at any of those as I have over the last sort of few hours, you you end up realising and recognising actually how important those two players are to Wolves from an attacking point of view. Now, they also can tuck in and become a part of that back line when Arsenal look to frustrate. Um, but yeah, they're, they're really, really important players. And I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, Arsenal are going to look to pin those guys back, right? With Bukayo Saka and probably Gabriel Martinelli on the other side. You would probably guess that both Semedo and Ait Nuri would be a little bit reluctant to vacate the space as often as they do under normal circumstances and against maybe other opponents. So, you know, we're going to have to try and pin them back. I think they will still go at times because I think Gary O'Neill will insist that they do. Um, and so it's going to be interesting. If you can get Martinelli, for example, on that left-hand side, running at Bueno or, or Saka coming in at Gomez, and those guys have to commit, and you've got those runners coming from midfield, which Arsenal, um, you know, have, and, and and which Arsenal's midfielders do really, really well, whether that be Havertz or Odegaard or whatever, then Max Kilman could be in trouble if he hasn't got the sufficient protection in front of him. Without Lamina and without Joao Gomez, I think that takes away a lot of the combative nature that Wolves have had in their midfield, which has been a key staple in why they've performed so well. So it's going to be a really, really fascinating tactical battle, in my opinion. I'm always fascinated to see how Arsenal take on sides that not just play with a back five, which is what Wolves are going to do out of possession, but also have that flat midfield three. Because it's one thing to have like, uh, you know, one sitting midfielder and then a couple of players uh, that can um, that can bomb on uh, from midfield and get up into the attack, uh, you know, and it's another thing to have three flat players, which I think is what Wolves are probably going to do. Uh, Fuad says, didn't Ait Nuri get injured on Monday, H? He did, um, but I don't know that he's out of this game. Um, Gary O'Neill hasn't spoken to the media yet, from what I understand. And so I don't know that he's out. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, prepare um, for the worst case scenario. And if he's out, then it's a bonus and, and we can look to... Um, you know, expose them maybe on that side. In their two forwards, um, Huang Hee Chan, who we mentioned is the top Premier League goal scorer across these two sides. He's got seven on the board so far. And Mateus Cunha, I think they've got two busy and mobile, but also very intelligent forwards. Um, when Cunha first came to England, I think there were question marks about him. But I think over time, he's starting to show people, um, you know, what he is capable of. He's he reminds me a bit of Gabriel Jesus because when I look at Mateus Cunha, sometimes I think to myself, you should score more goals and you should be contributing more in that way. But I think when I've watched Wolves in full, which I've done, I think, three or four times this season, I've come to realise that actually he provides so much more in terms of the build-up, in terms of the link-up. Huang is an incredibly willing runner and... um you know, sometimes Cunha will be the one that drops into those slightly deeper pockets to get on the ball, um, but will always be well aware of what Huang is up to and will look to pick him out as early as possible. You want to get Huang, if you're Wolves, running at people one-on-one -on -one because he's got incredible pace, drive. Um, he's a tricky customer and he's proven himself this season to be a very competent finisher as well. So, yeah, uh, you know, those are the two players that I'm a little bit concerned about, obviously. 
we know that Arsenal like to commit bodies forward. We know that Arsenal will be probably quite comfortable in situations of leaving, you know, Huang and, and Cunha up against Gabriel and Saliba, maybe with Ben White being in close proximity to help out as well. Declan Rice having an eye on that, the eyes in the back of his head. Um, but Arsenal have backed themselves to win individual duels uh, this season. And and when you when you do that, you're taking a bit of a risk. But you, if you've got the players that you feel can handle that, then it can give you a big advantage because you can push more bodies forward. Now, the, the interesting thing here is, is that sometimes when we talk about leaving players into in individual situations, it's not just about 1v1s. It can be twos versus twos. Um, it can be you know, three versus three. And I think if you leave, if you leave two players back, three players back to cope with these two, you could find yourself coming unstuck because they are that good, these two. And they seem to have developed a really, really good, strong understanding. So I'm interested to see if Arsenal are going to react to that, if Arsenal are going to be a little bit more cautious, if Arsenal are going to leave that extra body back because you wouldn't want Huang and Cunha in a two-on-two -two situation, regardless of how good our centre-backs are, because it, it's a big risk to take for any defending side. And I think these two players, if they both play, of course, could be a real, real problem for us. So that's what I expect from Gary O'Neill's side. Let's take it on then uh, to the lineup that I'd pick. Now, I'd make a couple of changes. Um, I, I wanted these changes uh, to be made against Lons. They weren't. Mikel Arteta felt that it was important that we went out there with our best side and we got the job done. And while I still think, of course, this is a must-win fixture, I've already said that, I think we can afford to make a couple of changes um, on Saturday. And given we're away on Tuesday, I think that might be wise. If you're not going to use the squad now, when are you going to use it? You know, these are the weeks where you've got a game on Saturday, a game on Tuesday, and then a trip to Villa Park on the Saturday. These are the weeks where you probably do need to just rotate a little bit, shake it up a little bit. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I'll go with Raya in goal. He's our number one. We've established that. I'm not going to talk about it again, not at least for now. Uh, White would come back into the side for me, played a half, uh, of course, against uh, Lons the other night, looked sharp enough, looked like he was back on the road to full fitness. And, you know, Tommy Asu, I think, is another player that we've historically had injury problems with. So I'd probably want to protect him uh, and I'd leave him out. Saliba would continue at right centre back for me. I've just talked about how good the two centre forwards are for Wolves. And so maybe, maybe I shouldn't be going with Kivior at centre back. Maybe I should be going with Gabriel and maybe Kivior would be an option at Luton. My only concern with that is that Luton are a really, really physical side. And you could probably do with having Gabriel and Saliba in the heart of the defence. Do you know what? I am going to probably change my mind on this. Uh, I did write this before I started talking and before I started, um, you know, just because uh, I didn't prepare what I was going to say about Wolves, just kind of offloading my thoughts about Wolves. I'm going to go back to Gabriel. I can't change the graphic now, but I'll go with Gabriel. And then Zinchenko at left back. In midfield, I'd go with Rice as the holding player, Odegaard and Havertz. Havertz is starting to look better. Odegaard um, is a, a massive part of this team, the club captain, of course. Saka would play from the right, Jesus through the middle, but I'd actually give Gabriel Martinelli a rest and I'd start Leandro Trossard from the left-hand side. Hardly a major downgrade, is he? Um, you know, he's, a, he's an incredible player, Leandro Trossard. You know, I was talking again about Martinelli maybe isolating the, the right-sided centre-back in the event that Nelson Semedo gets caught further up the pitch. 
if you want to pin somebody back, then Martinelli is the guy to do that with because of his pace and because of his directness. But I just think we need to protect some of our players going into this really busy period. And Martinelli, having gone on international duty, played in both games, travelled straight back, started at Brentford, all the rest of it, is probably one of them that could do with a bit of a rest. So my team to face Wolves um, on Saturday would be Raya in goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko across the back. Rice, Havertz and Odegaard in the middle with Saka and Trossard on either side of Gabriel Jesus through the middle. Okay, um, in terms of a prediction, I'm going to go for Arsenal 2, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil. Let me know yours in the chat and I'll read uh, some of those out and then we're going to do uh, some of your questions. But before we do your questions, uh, we're going to touch on a couple of other subjects that I think... Um, uh, worthy of discussion uh, this morning on this cold Friday morning in London. Leave a like, subscribe, all the rest of it. You know the draw by now. If you're listening on audio, please do uh, leave us a review. Uh, it really, really does help. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the podcast. Okay, um, just before we we dive into those subjects, I beg your pardon. I just wanted to say a massive thank you to everybody that's been sharing those um those uh, screenshots and stuff of uh, the statistics, how many minutes they've been listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast on Spotify. It's been so, so humbling to see. Like, I, I can't believe it. It's been amazing to see, like, you know, for thousands of people, this was in their top 10 podcasts. For for thousands of people, this was in their top five. And, and for a good five, six hundred people, this was their top podcast that they listened to. Um, over the course of, of 2023, which is really, really humbling. And that is only on Spotify, by the way. That doesn't include all you wonderful people that watch it, that watch it, that listen to it on Apple Podcasts and all the rest of it. So massive, massive, massive thank you um, to all of you. I really, really do appreciate it. And keep sharing them. Keep sharing them. Um, it, it's great to see. And I'll always share them, of course. A couple of other stories. David Ornstein uh, put out some information. Yes, they put out a couple of bits of information. The first bit being that Arsenal are in negotiations over a new contract with Takahiro Tomiyasu, which is good news. Arsenal, again, being proactive uh, and trying to secure the longer term future of a player that they view as a real, real key component. Um, you know, we we understand that the chat with, with Ben White's team is progressing as well. So Arsenal in a good place in that sense, having recently tied down a number of other key players. Uh, good to see the club are not taking their foot off the gas in that. He also mentioned that Douglas Louise, the Aston Villa midfielder, is unlikely to join Arsenal in January, but that the Gunners do have their eyes on a midfield player. Now, I I don't get why people are surprised about the David, uh, David Louise, Douglas Louise thing. Like, why are people surprised? Why are people sitting there going, oh, God, come on, Arsenal, he's the player we need. We were never going to sign Douglas Luiz in January. We were never, ever, ever going to stump up the cash that Aston Villa want. And also, why would Aston Villa sell to us at this point? Like, why would they? So the only way you're going to do that deal is if you go with an astronomical amount of money. And is he worth an astronomical amount of money? I would argue probably not. So I like the player and I think he'd be a good addition to the squad. But is he like a Declan Rice where you're going to move mountains to make it happen? I don't think he is. So I never expected that one to happen. It's been reported because we've had an interest in the past, um, but I'm not going to you know, pay too much attention to that rumour at this stage. 
you know, if he starts pushing for a move and forcing things and, you know, maybe, you know, you can look at it through a slightly different lens. These things do happen and and situations can change and evolve. But at this moment in time, I, I don't see that. So I wasn't surprised to hear David Ornstein come out with that. I was surprised by some of the reaction to it. Um, I also wanted to touch on uh, some comments that Gavi Jesus made where he sort of confirmed that the comments he made about, you know, goal scoring not being a strength of his were taken out of context. He talked about the fact that in his eyes, he can score goals. He talked about the fact that he doesn't believe he misses that many chances. And um, yeah, he he really did well, I think, to set the record straight. And Gabriel Jesus has always spoke brilliantly to the media after the game against Lons. And um, he's really, really interesting to listen to. I believe that you can listen to that whole interview on Haters TV. Um, so go over there. You can check it out. Tom Canton was a part of that huddle as well. And he asked uh, Jesus a couple of really interesting questions. So do go over and uh, and check that out. That's kind of it from me, really. Um, I've given you my prediction. I've given you my starting lineup. I've talked you through what we can probably expect from Gary O'Neill's Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now I want to hear from you guys in the live comments. So please get your questions in. Right. Let's see what we've got. Let's read out some of your predictions first. A lot of you have gone with the 2 0 scoreline that, that I've gone with. Uh, Mindful Mastery has gone for 4 0. Um, Westbird never makes predictions. That's right. I forgot that for a second. Uh, Christoph says, go big or go home. Arsenal 4-0. Trev's gone for 3-0 to the Arsenal. Um, John's gone for 4-0. Jesus on the bench coming on against the tired Wolves. Backline, Saka, Trossard, Martinelli to start. Do you know what? I talked about Martinelli needing a rest, and I do believe he does. But there is a case that Gabriel Jesus maybe should be protected as well. You know, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I really don't. I don't think he will. I think he will play because I think he's in red hot form and Mikel Arteta will want to uh, reap the rewards of that. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Uh, Louis says 4-0 or 4-1 to us. Hopefully we get a clean sheet, but I feel like they'll score. Uh, Natuera has gone with 3-0 to the Arsenal. Um, and Afsar has gone for 1-0. He thinks it's going to be a tight game. Right, let's take some questions then. Halor says... Harry, I would love to hear your thoughts on injuries and red cards going forward in regard of the strain it has on most teams and how it will affect teams with limited squads or playing in Europe. I mean, I think we're at a place now where there's just too many games of football. Like, I know people will say, oh, bore off, you know, they get paid X amount of money, blah, blah, blah. I just think there's too much football. I don't think we need two domestic cup competitions. I've been saying this for years. And I feel like what we are doing is we are putting some of our players at risk as a result. And it's only natural that they're going to break down more and more frequently. It's becoming more and more of a squad game as a consequence. And as a result of that, I don't really know that there's much clubs can do about it, though. You know, it's down to the authorities, I think, to recognise that having too many games is impacting the quality in some cases. Um and and yeah, you know, it's it's a football wide problem rather than a problem that any club on their own can deal with. So I don't really know what the answer is to the number of injuries, um, because I do think it is directly correlated with the point I just made when it comes to red cards. I mean, if you deserve to be sent off, you deserve to be sent off. I've got no sympathy for people who 
are down to the bare bones because of suspensions. If, if you know, you were shown a red card for a, a bad refereeing call or something that didn't justify or warrant a red card, then yeah, you're going to feel hard done by. But generally speaking, suspensions are a part and parcel of the game. And, you know, you've got to deal with that. Delisu says, do you think that Tommy Asu being subbed off at half time against Lons means he's likely to start ahead of Ben White against Wolves? Probably. Um, probably. But remember, the lineup that I give you guys is the lineup that I would pick. And I just think Tommy Asu's played a lot of football lately. Um, he's been off on international duty, all the rest of it. Ben White hasn't. I know Ben White had a bit of an issue, which meant that he wasn't training. And, you know, when training came around ahead of the Lons game, he was working with a strength and conditioning coach one-on-one. But I just think with Tommy Asu, he's someone that because of his injury history, I'd rather be careful with. Um, and I'd rather not push too hard. Again, I, I'd sort of look ahead. I look past Wolves, which you probably shouldn't really do at this stage. But if I look past that and I look at the Luton game, I think it's going to be really physical. And I think that Tommy Asu is probably, you know, more useful in a game like that, where I believe he's superior to Ben White. I don't think he's better with the ball at his feet. I don't think he's any more intelligent or anything like that. But I think as an athlete, you know, he's stronger, he's faster, I think when he's at full speed so and he's got a better aerial presence. So I think that that would be the game that I'd use him in. I'd use them in one each, and I just think I'd do it that way around if it were me. Um, Trev says, don't you think we're starting to settle into this new style of play we've gone for this season? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's been drastic changes to the style of play in terms of the instructions that are being passed on to the players. I think there's clearly an emphasis on remaining colder. There's clearly an emphasis on trying not to... Um, get too carried away in certain moments and in certain situations. And there's an emphasis on taking less risks. I, I certainly think those are, are things that Mikel Arteta is is doing deliberately. But I also think that a lot of the patterns, a lot of the other stuff is, is pretty much the same. And game state, as Mikel Arteta said the other day, has been part of the reason that we've not been able to always be as free-flowing and as potent in the final third. Um, but yeah, it does feel like we're starting to find a better balance maybe between those two things. Uh, John says, do you feel having the likes of Tommy and Kivior being able to play in so many positions across the back line? He's like having four players on the bench rather than two. Crazy how these two players are so versatile. Yeah, I do. And I think that's why Mikel Arteta will feel like at least, you know, defensively, he's probably well enough equipped. Remember, Jurian Timber's coming back and he's another one that can play in a multitude of positions. That is relevant, um, and I agree with that point, but ultimately it's still only one man that you need to get injured for you to be short again. So that's the counterpoint to that. You know, yeah, it's great. You look at them and you go, well, he can play right back and he can play left back and he can play centre back. So do I need another one of those? But in terms of bodies, it's still only one body. So if you lose that player, you still um, you still could be uh, in a spot of bother. I'm going to take one or two more um, before I go. Um, if you want more uh, Premier League uh, chat this afternoon, previewing the weekend's biggest games, then uh, tune in to Talk Sport 2 uh, from this afternoon. I'll be live from three until six with former Premier League midfielder Darren Ambrose. Um, so that should be uh, an interesting chat. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, we'll talk about all the big games and come over and join us um, on DAB, on uh, your smart speaker online, on yeah, I mean, anyway, you can get TalkSport too, basically. Um, Christoph says, any indications regarding whether or not Benjamin White has regained full fitness? Well, he played a half, didn't he, the other night? So 
I'd assume that he is um, he is on the way uh, to full fitness if he's not already there yet. I'm going to take one uh, more just before I dash. I'm just picking one at random, so apologies if I miss yours. Louis says, do you think we can go on a run now where you think we'd be come near the end of Christmas period? Uh, sorry, where do you think we will be come the end of the Christmas period? Question two, what would be your midfield target for January if we're targeting a midfielder? I need to think about question two. Um, I need to do my my research. Um, but do I think we can go on a bit of a run now? I'd like to say that, but we've got some really tough fixtures coming up. Um, so I think the table is going to change quite a bit. You know, there's three teams involved in the title race, I would say, this season. There's only two points separating us. You're going to see a lot of changes in terms of the guard with regards to who's top at various points. I think you've got to stay within touching distance. Come out of the Christmas period still within touching distance. Remember, the fixtures don't always even out at this point either. So you've got to stay within touching distance and uh, and, and make sure that you're there or thereabouts. Come the business end so that you can um, be in with a chance of, of going on and winning it. So, for example, if we end up third after Christmas because we've gone away to Villa and Liverpool, not won games, but we're still within touching distance, I, I'd, I'd take that and I'd be content with that. Not delighted with that. Obviously, I want Arsenal to win and they've set the bar really high now. But I'd be content with that. So um, that's where I am on, on what I'm hoping for over the Christmas period. Right, we're going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in to this edition of the Big Match Preview here on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. I will see you all either tomorrow night or bright and early Sunday morning uh, with reaction to Wolves. I'll try and do it tomorrow night because it's not a late kickoff. Um, but I do have some friends coming around in the evening, so it will depend on how much time I have between getting home from the game and, and them coming over for dinner. So we'll, we'll figure it out. Anyway, I'll catch you all soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves. All the best. Goodbye up the Arsenal. Mm-hmm.